0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's Access Media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: The piss with dead and dawn. With Dawn and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Although I want to change the name to the Peace Buzz with Dawn and the Dutchman.
0: Ah. Ah, not so fond of that idea. <laughs> Anyhow, what are we going to talk about today?
1: Well, today I wanted to talk about ants. And the reason why I wanted to talk about ants today is because ants are quite a problem here in Canterbury. Mm. And while, when we first started in Peace control together, you and I, was about... Two thousand and three. We didn't get a lot of ant work.
0: No, we didn't. We've probably got two jobs a month. But I was just talking earlier to Pia, who works here at the station, and she was saying that she remembers when they first arrived in New Zealand, they came over they came from Littleton and then came over the hill in the late nineties. So that would explain why well, when we started our business in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, we didn't hardly ever get ant jobs.
1: Yeah. That would explain it. And I still hear the same sort of stories from customers
0: today. But now we're getting maybe two a day, in, 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 in the winter even. Yeah. And in the summer, in February, five a day. Yeah. Easy. Easy. It's just ants, ants, ants. They drive people nuts. Yeah. I suppose the good news about ants in New Zealand is they're not going to sting you. No. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that. One day I was having a picnic in Germany and... I felt this hot searing pin in my knee. It was like unbelievable. In my knee, it uh, jumped up. And next I saw all these ants everywhere. And man, they that hurts. That was a fire ant. Unbelievable. I remember, I remember yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't pleasant. So we don't have those, which is great. I hope we never get those. The ants we have in New Zealand are more nuisance Yeah,
1: ants. well, we have a very good biodiversity programme. And do you remember too, when we first started, we did that big fire ant monitoring yes, that's right. project guess, yes. over in Littleton? Yes, with uh, Mark Tomlinson.
0: Yeah, you set up stations to monitor, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're scared, we're scared at the time we're going to get them, but yep. they have, they haven't hasn't eventuated, which is great. We still have all the normal ants, just, uh, you know, nuisance ants where you see trails come into your kitchen, going for the sugar, going for the food, and, uh, we you know, people uh, uh, open up their food containers and are full of ants, that type of thing, so... But we don't have the ants that, for example, eat a house, like, which is another name for them as termites. We don't have those here. Or maybe pockets of them in the North Island here and yeah. there, but not down here. Yeah. So just nuisance ants, which are very hard to control. Every time someone rings about ants, um, the first thing I will say to them is when we refer to ant control, it's not about extermination. We can't say to you, you'll never see another ant. You know, it's not like a rat infestation where you can say, like, no, we'll get rid of those rats, no problem. But ants, it's going to be ongoing and it's going to be a program that requires cooperation from the householder and also the work from the technician. And it's ongoing, it takes time and you'll see a reduction over time and get control of it. But to say you'll never see another ant is over promising.
1: So, what's actually happening then? What, like, I'm not an ant expert mm. and I, I don't think you're an ant expert. No. Either.
0: I just know the procedures of controlling and getting rid of them.
1: But we've done so many of them Mm. that we've discovered how they behave. And we have two main types that we take care of here in Christchurch, isn't there? There's the Darwin ant, Mm -hmm. and that's the ant that if you squish it smells, and the black house ant. So that's just the name that we've come up with for Mm -hmm. the black house ant, but it's probably got some special special name or description for it.
0: There are over 12,000 species of ants. Oh, well, there you go. And every country in Ireland, except for the Antarctic and Arctic, uh, has a native ant. So they're a very, very, very successful uh, insect.
1: Yes, we have a native ant as well.
0: So, you know, why ants are so difficult to control? They're clever. They've got got this hive mentality. They communicate to each other via pheromone. And that pheromone communication is very complex. And uh, as they, you'll see, if you watch ants, they'll come together they'll have we chat together like they exchange information and then they pass and carry on and um, they might be telling that other amp through smells oh the food source is there and it's really good and rich and we should all go and get it and uh, or they might say the food source is bad don't go there and they also have a very clever triggers in the hive or the colony for example if they bring a certain food source in you put your you put your bait down at home you go to Mita 10 or Bunnings or whatever you go to and you buy the bait and you apply it here and there and you get a great success, ants all over it. But if you don't do it properly, you know that the, the they have a trigger in the colony that if their population drops suddenly because of a food source, they send a message, no more of that food, don't bring it anymore.
1: The queen sends that yes. message, doesn't she? Yes. She controls it all.
0: Yeah. So if you haven't done your baiting correctly or put enough out, the message might get put out, don't touch it. And you hear it all the time. Oh, I put the bait out, and uh, they are all over it, but now they won't even look at it. And we get that a lot, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So that's why we've come up over the years with a program to control ants. Now, if you want to do it yourself, you can. It's certain aspects of it. Probably the first uh, thing to do is housekeeping. So everything in seal containers, any spills should be wiped up very Carefully so leaving no residues of sugar, wipe your benches down, that type of thing. So that's the first thing you can do. And then if you are going to try to do it yourself using bait, use the bait in multiple locations where the ants are active and keep applying the bait to the ants as you see them. So if new ants pop up, give them the bait. But keep it going there, don't stop. Keep the food source available because they take that bait back in the little pockets in their mouth and they feed it to the queen and the, and the young, and they wipe out the nest. But if you don't do enough of it, it won't work. And you get that problem where they say, don't bring that anymore. And another thing, a common mistake that is made in the home, is people apply fly spray. So, uh. oh, there's ants, fly spray, fly spray. And they, of course, it, it kills every ant that you, you see and spray on. But ants are sensitive about chemical. And they can tell if there's a dangerous chemical in front of them. And they won't go there ever again. So every area you you fly spray is going to push them to another area. You fly spray that area, push them to another area. So you're spreading the ants around your house. And that's why just traditional sprays don't work either because um, they sense it and they don't go near the area. So what we use is fipronil based sprays, which they cannot sense. So they they, they walk across it, they pick up the microns, they die. Right. Yeah.
1: So what you were talking about was if a... Householder or a person has an infestation. First of all, how do you even know you've got an infestation of ants, as t- opposed to a few ants that are coming in from the outside um, to grab some food? Mm. What's the difference between an actual infestation and just ants on the outside mm. of the house?
0: Yeah, it's a very good question. And the if you're seeing it, just a trail coming through the window, you know that like you have your wee window vent. In your kitchen, and we trails coming in and yeah. going to the window vent. Yeah. There's a good chance it's an outside one. But if you see uh, trails coming out of your down lights, for example, you know your, your ceiling lights are coming. Mm. They're coming down the wall, or cracks in the ceiling, or in the wall. That, they're coming from there. There's a good chance they've got a nest inside your house.
1: Because sometimes actually they're not seeing trails. So I've talked to some people, and they said, "Look, I've got about ten ants, and mm. they're randomly walking around the top of my." bench top in Mm -hmm. the kitchen. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to be going anywhere and I wipe them up and they haven't really come back.
0: Well, as we said before, I'm not an entomologist or an expert, but for my knowledge, ants have these scouts out looking for food, Ah. so there could just be a random amount of ants looking for a source. And once they find it, they'll go back and lay the trail so that people can the ants can go back and get the food.
1: And that's what you were talking about, the pheromone. Yes. The complicated pheromone, the way they communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. So you're saying those ants that we see just randomly walking around, what looks random, mm-hmm. are actually scouts trying to find a food source for the nest.
0: just to communicate back. Yeah. And
1: then once they've found that, they go back, and they'll communicate with each other by that touching yeah. that you were talking about before, and then all the worker ants then start coming out.
0: And start... You know, harvesting whatever is there for the colony. Right. Yeah, and, if they, and they establish themselves in walls, and in ceiling cavities, and gardens, bark areas, all over the around the house and in the house. Yeah. Right. Cracks in the concrete.
1: You see, people yeah. don't seem to have an issue with ants on the outside or in the gardens.
0: Well, mm. I don't think you, I don't think you need to really. No. I don't think ants outside are a problem. They're, they're doing a good job.
1: And so then why do sometimes people call me up and they say, oh, I've got ants all through the dog food. And then I get another call from somebody else and they say, look, I've got ants all through the jam and the sugar.
0: Mm. Because different ants have different diets. So we were just simplified as protein feeding ants. So they eat their eat meat, proteins. Okay. And you've got sh- uh, sugar-eating ants. Right. Yeah, It's not saying that they're exclusive. It's, they might do both. but Oh. Yeah. So but there's dominantly protein-eating ant, go for the dog food. Yeah.
1: So different part-times of the year, they might switch to a different type of diet depending on what the nest needs. Is that what you're saying?
0: I don't know. <laughs> okay. But, well, uh, it makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah.
1: That, say, for example, if a queen needs to reproduce, that she would need protein to do mm, that.
0: Yeah.
1: But that to keep all the workers going and everything else going, then they may need what you were saying the carbohydrates or the sugar. Oh, sugar,
0: yeah. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense to me too. But again, So when you
1: were the... going to do a treatment, for example, if the person was finding that they were eating dog food or protein, you wouldn't go out and get a sugar based base. Yeah,
0: bait. that's right. That's a very good point. We should feed them what they're feeding on.
1: Yes, and then that, that, that way we'll get the best results. Yeah. Because if they're going to avoid it, then you've still
0: got a problem. Yes, and it's also when we get people, you know, customers ringing at pest control and saying, oh, they're not going anywhere near the bait. It could be just that. It could just be that they're looking for protein, they mm-hmm. are wanting that. You remember when we, when we had the Argentinian ant procedures going on, we were always feeding them protein bait.
1: All the time. It was yeah. a special bait called uh, Extinguish, extinguisher, I that's think. That's right.
0: It's still available.
1: That fitprenol base bait that you were yeah, talking that's about. Right. yes,
0: yeah, so it was a protein bait. They like protein. So Very expensive. And no point putting down sugar for them because it wasn't what they were after.
1: Yes, I do mm. remember that. Mm. Yes. We don't really deal with Argentine ants all that often down here no, in Canterbury. Not so much. I think most of them are up north yep. and on different islands around New Zealand. There is a huge Argentine project that goes on all behind the scenes that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do tend to multiply very quickly, and then push out all the all the native ants in that particular area.
0: Yeah, yeah. Perhaps after the break we can talk about why Argentine ants are a problem. Uh, not that we have a big problem here, but why and the type of nest they have, mm. and uh, you know, why we need we can't have them here, or we should get rid of them out of New Zealand.
1: So all right. Also, too, I think why don't we talk about a step by step. Process on how we can manage ants in our own home yeah. without having to engage an expensive contractor like yourself.
0: Okay. So Dawn, now that we're back on here, we're going to talk about uh, ants. So I'm going to ask you some questions because you've got you've got 20 years' experience in this business, so you know a lot about. The products, the controls, and also specifically Argentinian ants. I know that's not a major problem here, but we do get them. But I think people would like to know why Argentinian ants are such a threat to our own biodiversity in New Zealand and why we need to actually take care of them. So what is the problem with Argentinian ants? are only tiny little things. So.
1: I know, and I'm not the expert. I only know what I've picked up over the years talking to people who actually are experts. But... I think for the most part they threaten our native species because they can burst and have huge, huge nests and they're super hungry.
0: So when you say huge nests, what are we talking about in size? What's the size of an Argentinian ant's nest? What sort of area does it cover?
1: Well, in a general term, we call them super colonies. If that gives you any idea of how big they might be, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you numbers, but mm-hmm. it would have to range in the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. And if they're threatened, the queen can tell her workers to split off mm. uh, very quickly so that they, they can survive in, in different pockets.
0: Right. So, what are they doing to the other ants in the area?
1: Well, they displace them. Yeah, they move them out. They eat all their food that they rely on to survive. They will eat things like lizards, the birds' eggs. They'll eat newly hatched chicks, um, and they threaten endangered populations. Okay.
0: So it's not just other insects that they're, that they're endangering; it's our native birds. And Absolutely,
1: the okay. yeah. Their, their appetite is insatiable, right? For protein and sweet foods.
0: So it's no wonder then that there's a lot of focus about them when they first arrived here in Canterbury, I know we spent a lot of time looking for them. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. So that's... for people to see Argentinian ants, how can they tell if it's an Argentinian ant as just say the other ones we talked about? It's there, very difficult. Isn't there a behaviour difference? Like we were talking earlier about trails. Yes. And generally you see an ant trail as a single file. True. And I remember Argentinian ants, when we were taught about them, was that they have multiple, and they're also quite busy, for, for, you know, frantic and multiple trails. Yes, that's true. Yeah, And was it, when you squashed them, did they smell?
1: I don't think they had an odour.
0: So There's a couple of things. I think they were pretty
1: yeah. odourless. It was the Darwin ant that's, yes. that has the odour.
0: So there are little things you can look for to, to, to tell if you've got Argentinian ants specifically. Yes,
1: you're absolutely yeah. right. They do have that, what we call, well... What I call the multi lane highway yep. trail. Yep. Interesting. And they like to climb trees, they like to farm mealybug, they like, because they love that sweet nectar that they yep. uh, excrete out of their bottoms.
0: Now, but we mentioned before about do it yourself pest control. With ants, what can a person do to get ants under control without calling a pest controller f- first?
1: Well, I think, first of all, my advice would be to, is to not use fly spray. Mm-hmm. Most people will immediately get out the can of Black Flag and uh, spray, mm. and they'll find that they get quite a good result for a short period of time. Yeah. And then they'll they'll come back, or they might come up in a different area of the house, mm-hmm. and they won't know why, so they'll grab the fly spray and they'll spray that again, and they'll get a nice result for a, for a few more weeks. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think a few more weeks is pretty optimistic, Dawn. I'd say just a few days, the the, uh, fly spray won't give them weeks' control from what I've experienced. All right. I disagree.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it it depends. You're you're not wrong, and I don't think I'm wrong either. Shall we just agree to disagree (laughs) on that? Okay. But basically what I'm saying is that the fly spray will give you a short-term control. That's right, that's fair. And you're only taking care of the ants that you can see. It's the ants that you can't see that we need to treat. Mm-hmm. And so what what you can do then is that the places like Mitre Teen and Bunnings, they have products called ant sand or ant granules, and you can put that around the exterior of the house.
0: You know, um, unless you have seen how many ants are in an ant colony, mm. you, know, you wouldn't have a clue how many. There's just thousands and thousands of them. And one time I was in a ceiling uh, looking for ants, and I lifted up the insulation. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it It was like a, the whole thing was black and yeah. moving. It yeah. was unbelievable. There was like millions of ants everywhere in the ceiling. So you're right. If you're going to just kill the ones you see, it's only a fraction of the colony. You have to de- deal a devastating blow to that colony by killing its queen. An ant colony cannot survive without a queen. That's right. Yeah, so so what are the steps? You, you mentioned not to use fly spray. What else, other things can they do? well,
1: you can at do home? do like a pilot check around the house, like going back to the inspection of the roof void, you can pop up into the roof void and and lift the bats and have a look and see if there's any ant activity. go outside, check under pots, check under bricks, anywhere that's really warm, you will usually find ant colonies and um those stepping stones, those concrete stepping stones that people have and you lift those up and often you'll see huge numbers of ants in there and you'll see little wee white eggs as well Um, and if you disturb it you'll find that the the nest will start picking up all those eggs and start running away with it
0: Yeah. So if you find the ant colony then what?
1: Well it's good if you can spray those guys directly
0: Yep. And the product they would use?
1: You can use uh, any sort of spray that you can buy over the counter Anything that says no ants ant control, anything that says insect control will work really well
0: Yes, and I suppose it's the same as when we do the job, they have to have the right expectation. You're not going to eradicate ants entirely from your property, but you are going to get control of them. Exactly. And, and also getting bait. We mentioned bait before. Too.
1: Bait's very, very good for yeah. those ants that you can't have access to, and the ants you can't get access to are usually in the wall voids. Yes,
0: that's right. It takes time too, doesn't it?
1: It does take time. The baiting is slow. But if you're consistent and keep it up, you'll eventually get a result. And the result is an eradication. The result is just management. Yes. And so you're not going to get ants coming in into the sugar and into the Milo or into the dog food.
0: Yes. Oh, that's good. That's very good information. And I think that, uh, you know, if you haven't got a major infestation, you could take care of it that way for sure. I think so. But if there's a major problem, more is required, Um we have uh, ant sand that we sprinkle around the gardens, uh, out around the house, ant spray barrier around the be- outside of the property, up the first metre. And then we actually use a spray-on bait, which is very, very good. It is very good. Yeah. So there are other stronger, more powerful tools out there if you fail in getting it done yourself.
1: Also, too, a lot of people are very busy. They don't have a lot of time to manage these, these pests on a regular basis. true. true. And I think it actually is worth it to get a professional to come in monthly or bi monthly just to take care of the management of it. But also, uh, what's really important is getting your neighbours on board, mm. because if you've got a big infestation of ants, they're going to have an infestation of ants. And if they haven't yet, they're going to get one yep. because they move around all the time.
0: And it's an increasing problem, isn't it? As we it is. You mentioned earlier, you know, from uh, one or two a month to in the winter, yeah. Five or six, you know, whatever. In some are, you know, multiple times yeah. a day for us. Yeah. So it's only going to get worse.
1: Yeah. yeah. Community groups and schools, kindergartens, you know, they can't afford $500 plus GST to get an ant job done. Mm. Um, they can't afford the $125 a month it's going to take to maintain that management. Mm. And so if they knew how to do it themselves, that, that can reduce the amount of money that they need to spend on that. And uh, they can do it themselves. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great information about ants, Don. I was going to um, digress there na- from there now because uh, you just came back from a course in Nelson. You spent the whole week away with doing a course with Doc, uh, and you were learning about uh, trapping. Yes,
1: it was called Advanced Predator Trapping Methods. Right. Level four.
0: So, I want to hear all about this course. <laughs> That the Dutchman had to pay for.
1: I know. Sorry about the Dutchman. <laughs> Not only did the Dutchman have to pay for it, but I really had to work hard to get the Dutchman <laughs> to pay for it, and it was so worth it. You you really are going to benefit from the knowledge that I've picked up from the two doc workers and uh, David Wallace, who delivered the course to to the eight students that were in the room.
0: I suppose you should clarify that I'm the Dutchman. You are definitely <laughs> That's right, the so, Dutchman. So Dawn, at this course, what type of pests were you learning to trap?
1: So the main pests, because it's sort of in conjunction with the British Free 2050 movement that we've got going on, and so the main pests that we were learning how to trap were possums, rodents and stoats. And each, each one is different. Their behaviour is different, how they're trapped is different, the types of pesticides that are used are also different. So stoats are predominantly carnivores, whereas um, the possums and the rodents are both omnivores for right. the most part.
0: So did you uh, have traps for all those animals?
1: Yes. So the DOC 200, which is the main type of trap that DOC like to use, we use for stoats. And for rodents.
0: And what would you typically bait bait a stoat trap with?
1: Well, an egg.
0: Okay. Interesting. It is interesting.
1: So at least that's what we were taught to do. So we had a little fake plastic egg that we put into a stoat trap. And then we were taught how to set the trap, unset the trap. We were taught how to trigger the trap and how to adjust the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Of the trap as well. Right. How to set it yep. so that it didn't go off uh, unexpectedly.
0: So there's trapping, and you mentioned pesticides. Now I'm going to bring up something pretty controversial because it's, uh, you know, you hear about it, a lot of protests about it. So did they talk about 1080 at all? Maybe. <laughs> so, I, my question was what, why do they use 1080? It's so unpopular. Uh, there's such a lot of bad press about it. Why does DOC use 1080? What was the reason they gave?
1: DOC use 1080 because it works and because we can they can get it into places where we can't get people. Right. Because there's a lot of parts of New Zealand you just can't walk through. Right. And so they like to drop 1080 in through there.
0: Okay. So, I
1: don't really know. I, yeah. I really don't like talking about it either. Right. Because I don't have the knowledge.
0: But they did deal with it a wee bit.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So we were taught how to put 1080 down
0: for possum control. And what about cyanide? I mean, I remember Mark telling me, Mark Tomlinson from uh, Elite Pest Control in the early days, that people using cyanide, they were rolling a cigarette and they smoked, just put it in their mouth and they were found with the cigarette in their mouth, dead. Because they've been baiting with cyanide. Yeah. So Tell me about cyanide. Is that true? Sa- is that
1: cyanide is deadly, yeah. yes, and that's absolutely true. Amazing. And there are a lot of uh, health and safety rules and regulations around the use of it. You can't actually use things like eighty and cyanide um, randomly. You need a special license to right. do that. Okay. They call it a controlled substance license.
0: But you can do the trapping.
1: But you can do the trapping. Yes. Everyone can do the trapping. Yeah. We can get traps out in our backyards. We can get traps out in our parks and our schools. And we should be using the trapping every, every chance that we get.
0: Yeah. Get rid of the rats, stoats, and possums. Yes. Which of those three is the hardest to catch? I'd have to say the stoat. The stoat's cunning, isn't it? Yeah. It's a cunning, uh, very, very difficult to trap. Very, very, very hard
1: very. to catch and trap. Yeah. Yes.
0: You're telling me they swim quite a way too. They
1: can swim. So they'll swim either fresh or salt water. They can swim up to 1.5 k's. Um, They're a killing machine. And the conditions here in in New Zealand mean that they've basically taken over.
0: You know, I heard about stoats. An interesting fact, we'll close on this, Mm. is that a stoat comes from the northern hemisphere. Very cold winter, it would hibernate. So it would kill and store for its winter. Oh, yeah in New Zealand it's not cold enough to hibernate so they kill and store kill and store kill and store kill and store store until there's nothing left in the area stoats are our number one enemy uh, for our bird life yes they absolutely are so we should get on board with that Predator Free 2020 oh I totally agree
1: I totally agree and I would love to do a Predator Free 2050 show as well with the experts that are out there doing it on a daily basis and, and encourage everyone to get onto that website grab yourself a trap and start trapping
0: now, thanks for the information. It's oh, good. really uh, enjoyed hearing about that. Well,
1: I'm glad that you uh, ended up paying for it for me <laughs> so that I could go. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next month. Thanks, Dad.
0: Have you got creepy crawlies scurrying through your house?
1: Or is your problem a bit bigger? Well, we can help. Being Canterbury-owned and operated for 10 years means we've learned a thing or two about our local invaders. We use non-toxic chemicals to provide a healthy environment for you and your family while evicting those nasties. And satisfaction is guaranteed, so eliminate the problem quickly and
0: safely. For a full range of services, visit our website, elitepestcontrol.co.nz.